What's the name of that island? It's just Is Gilligan's, it Gilligan's Island. Well, yeah. oh, that's kind of presumptuous. All right. <laughs> I know, right? It's like I never thought of it that way. Right? There were it was there were other people on that island. There were a lot of other people on that island. At one point, I think the Harlem Globetrotters were on the island for like an episode. <laughs> Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar and I'm here with my co-host Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Podcast. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I kick off? Yeah, kick it off. All right, I always want to kick off on some uh, some economic coronavirus news apparently when they gave out the, st- the stimulus um was 270 billion dollars for the treasury department that went out to people this mm-hmm. spring uh 1.4 billion of it went to dead people no yes dead people <gasps> so they cut checks for people who filed the taxes in 2019 who have passed away but kicked it <gasps> what happened to those checks well um, so let's just, the, the numbers all over It's $2.6 trillion was a bailout package. Only like 270 billion of that went to what I would call like actual people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 1.4 billion of that 270 billion went to the dead. Oh the treasuries, the treasury and the IRS do not use death records to, to stop payments to deceased in, individuals in the first three batches of the payments because of a legal interpretation that the IRS did not have the authority to deny payments for those who filed a return in 2019, even if they were dead. Oh my God. So they had to pay these people out. So Um, who gets, so does their, the next of kin gets the money? You know what happens when government checks come to a house of a person who's deceased and that person has family members. They probably cash that shit so fast. They probably yeah. couldn't wait to get the paychecks plus. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. And filing unemployment. Yes. It's actually people need this money right now. Yeah. You know? So the, uh, the GAO, which is the office of accountability recommended that the IRS find a way to notify ineligible recipients of the payments, how to return them. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to return your dead husband's check from the government. Oh um, they, so they said like, we want you to notify people and have them send them back, but the people are dead. So they're not sure how the notification will work. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so treasure, treasury secretary, Stephen Munchen said in April that the heirs of the deceased who received the stimulus money should give the funds back. He's a thief. Are you kidding me? So he's you, saying that's the right thing to do? Yeah, like he's that? ever given money back that he's gotten. Yeah, he's stolen. That he's stolen. Mm-hmm. He, this guy could just print up money. You saw the picture of him with his Cruella DeVille wife. Yeah. Holding up the, uh, you know, wearing yeah. full-length opera gloves, holding up $1 bills on a, on a, on a sheet. Oh, my God. Whatever. Um so yeah, they, they've given out money to dead people. They've been told that they need to notify the, these dead people that the money should be returned. But obviously they can't figure out how to do that because it's, um, you know, it's really hard to let dead people know what's happened. <laughs> Even if these dead people did, presumably, I guess, cash the check. 
Yeah. And how are they? Yeah, right? Uh, this is just money that's, oh, boy. And I'm not a, you know, my, my politics are my politics when it comes to fiscal stuff. But, hey, you put the money out there, it's gone. Yeah, exactly. Don't exactly. even don't even try. I don't care. I really don't care if this went to quote unquote undeserved people. Yeah. Whatever. And, and, no, this is this is the wild west now. We're in a different yeah, world. Yeah, and also they just lost a loved one or at least a paid one. So yeah. let them keep the money. Yeah, Who so cares? What? Let, let everybody keep the money. Yes, let everybody keep it. This is what treat us like we're corporations, yeah. right? Let us just keep any free money that's given to us. So I'd like to piggyback on that with um, some advice from, well, it's not advice. This is what Andrew Yang, he's the formal presidential Yang. candidate for the Democratic Party. Yeah, what's, what's, what's like, Yang up to? We all like us some Yang. He is, we, should, we should contact Yang and be like, have you ever thought about doing a show with two women? Right. <laughs> Just leave it at that. <laughs> so his, he... Um, what does he have here? He recently founded Humanity Forward, an organization that built to realize the vision and ideas of his presidential campaign. So he had a lot so of... He's not even the president and he's doing more than the president. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he had an idea. So in his opinion, he's saying that we're on the precipice of another Great Depression, but Congress has the power to prevent it if it acts mm -hmm. quickly. Um, so this, as you know, the COVID-19 has already claimed 125,000 lives in America um, that we know of, that we know of. Um, infection rates. There's over 2.6 million confirmed cases. Infection rates are now surging in 36 States. Um, and as a result of the economic disruption, more than 40 million Americans have filed for unemployment claims mm -hmm. and an estimate of 42% of lost jobs aren't coming back. Yeah, I don't think my job is coming back. My job involved um, going into school systems. Yeah, and and monitoring teachers. Yeah, so that's... I don't think that's even even if school goes back into session, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to feel comfortable um, seeing how people's teaching is progressing under those circumstances. And I don't. I don't want to expose myself or anyone else to anything. Right. But right. I think I think what you can do, an idea is for you to set the curriculum and the setup standards for teaching um, online courses. Oh, no, I'm not interested in teaching online. All right. Uh, what, what I do, I have to. No, telling, so, showing other people, telling them how to do it. Oh, there's no, a lot someone's of, already covered that. <laughs> oh, you're, so you're not interested is what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying that's already, that's still happening. Those people are, you know, still doing that. But my job was specifically, it was a, it's in person. Oh yeah. So I have to go and see how the student teachers interact with students. Like I have to be in the classroom. I have to see how they interact with staff. It's impossible to do that unless they, um, give me one of those robots. That's like you put an iPad on a stick. Yeah. Right. And then have them walk around doing <laughs> on things. a Segway, put yeah. the iPad on a Segway. All right. But he just goes on to say here that simply reopening the economy will not do the trick. As millions of Americans are fully aware <clears throat> that a pandemic continues to rage, that there's no going back to our pre-crisis routine. Yeah. Texas, for instance, just closed its bars after trying to reopen too early. Florida is closing mm -hmm. some beaches for the 4th of July. Um, Good we, luck. We must accept that we are closer to the beginning of the crisis than the end. And, um, and both economic activity and jobs will be depressed for the foreseeable future. So in response to this kind of catastrophe, the government passed a series of aid packages, most notably the CARES Act. 
Mm-hmm. And it provided, as you were saying, $2 trillion in enhanced unemployment benefits and direct Plus payments. Plus for those dead people, those lucky yeah. dead. Yeah. Small business administration loans and money for health care providers and research. Um, it's the, one of the largest aid packages passed, but it's not nearly enough to salvage the economy. So no. people- A lot of people haven't, they just extended the one for small businesses. A lot of people that I know- by the time they got their applications together, the money was gone. Yeah, the money was like, yeah, the bigger companies took it all. Yeah. Um, people spent that their first direct payment weeks ago, and, and the extended unemployment benefits are running out soon. So yeah. they're debating now what the next aid pack, Congress is debating what the next aid package should look like. I um, think it should look like that Mo Money. Have they seen that movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Mo Money. I'm sorry, Yang. Yeah. The House passed a $3 trillion Heroes Act back in May with funding to state and local governments up to 6000 in direct payments to each American household and yep. essential worker hazard pay. Um, Republicans in both chambers want a back-to-work bonus instead of un- un- extended unemployment benefits. Okay, but there's no work. What is wrong with that? I know, I know. You got to give your server a back-to-work bonus for her a restaurant job that's not open? Right. So so he says, he goes, this is a disaster. Congress's approach to our nation's economy being on fire, it was to, it has been to dump insufficient water on it and then walk away while the fire is still raging. Sounds like a government to me. uh, We're only weeks away from mass eviction and widespread desperation for millions of American food Mm -hmm. lines already stretch for miles and situation will deteriorate further. So what is the solution? He has a solution for you. He has a solution. Yes, he does. Cause he's Andrew Yang. Yeah, and, and he, he's not—he's not the president. Yeah, he's—he's yeah. he's not an idiot. He—he yeah. he has done his research. He understands what is going on with the economy today. He's, he's he, also had real jobs before, right? And he understands—he's not just a turkey impersonator like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> he understands numbers. He understands finance, and he yeah. has a grasp has a heart. On, on what is what what the world is really like today, and not like it was you know, 50 years ago and trying to I'm pretend amazed that it was that, like it was 50 years ago. But I'm amazed that he's even interested in politics with all these brains and ideas. Well, he's, Where, you know, he's got to be him. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's his, what's his plan? Um, so there is a bill in house with 40 co-sponsors. It's called the emergency money for the people act. People being the operative mm-hmm. word. It would direct 2000 a month to every adult making less than 130,000 a year for up to 12 months. Oh, it seems like UBI. Yeah, right. His UBI, it's like a, it's like a, his UBI from the past is a 2.0. All right. I want that gang money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Married couples earning less than 260,000 would receive at least 4,000 a month and qualifying families with children would receive an additional, additional 500 per child. Okay. Um, this bill would put money straight into people's hands. It would help tens of millions of Americans get through this crisis while supporting millions of jobs as families would be able to order takeout, repair their cars, so, buy groceries every day from hardworking small businesses. This is direct money. So this is not like Steve Munchen gets his dirty little hands on it first. No, it. no, this is. It doesn't have to go through a bank first and they take their piece. No, it's every month. Boom. In your bank account, Jaquetta, $2,000 shows up. I'll take it. Yang for Prez. <laughs> So instead of funneling money to companies and hoping for the best, we should be directing funds to families. This would give America a secure path forward and give us all a real chance to beat this pandemic. It's common sense. It's direct. It's effective. It's popular. It will work. We are facing a public health crisis that is leading us to this depression. 
uh, tens of millions face despair and hopelessness. And it doesn't need to be this way. It really does not need to be this way. It's it's a choice that the way that things are is a concerted effort to make them this bad. This yeah. could not have happened on its own. Yeah. You know. Um, Congress must listen to the American people. The people are the people it's sworn to serve. Remember, these people are working for us. They don't know that. Well, they think they're working for like Cargill and you know major corporations. They don't know that they have constituents. I don't think Mitch McConnell knows that he has constituents. Well, American people remember that the yeah. these elected officials work for us, and they should be so, doing this for us. Um. And it's our money, by the way. It is our money. <laughs> Mitch McConnell has never done anything worth even half a dollar. Yes. So I think that this is a, a solid plan. It's better than anything else that's out there. And, and it's a plan. It's actually a plan. It's actually a plan that helps people. They, they don't want to put money in the hands of people. No. What, the, what good would that be? I mean, we've, we've discussed this before. Like, if everyone has money, what is, like, what's the point of rich people? Yeah. Right. Like you can't enjoy your banquet if someone else isn't starving down the road is the way that it looks to me for a yeah. lot of people. <laughs> you know, what, is, what do they care? What's the last time Mitch McConnell had to pay for anything with money that he earned himself? Yeah. It's you know? that, it's the, that mentality of like, I don't know. It's kind of a mix of like people saying you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get, and you have to work for every single thing that you have. I mean, I get that, except that we know that's not how it is when we look around. Yeah. We see plenty of people who are wearing like eight, nine pairs of boots, not doing shit and getting plenty of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that the rules are set up. So you, you, your money is separated from you in yeah. 50 different ways before you even get your hands on before it. Before you get your hands on it. So I don't, I don't know what they're talking about, but this is all, I mean, this is the way it's set up. It's I always say, and I'm you know very cynical about it. Things are working exactly the way they are set up to work. Yeah, it's you know this the way the pandemic is playing out. It, it could have gone a different way, but this is the way they wanted to do it, and yeah. this is what we have. You know, they wanted to open back up quickly because of the economy, and now look, people are sick again. Yeah, it's it's shocking to me and a, a little disheartening because. You think that you want to think that adults are running the show, and I don't see that. I don't see much evidence of that. No, no. You know, it's bizarre. Yeah. So, what do you have? Um, Yang again. So we've talked in the past about living like a millionaire. Uh -huh. We actually did a whole episode on living like a millionaire. <laughs> That's right. I just want to follow up on that. Here's a guy who's he's a self-made millionaire. But he says, in order to be happy, young people should not aspire to make a million dollars like he did. No. They should, no. They should aspire to make $70,000. Oh, really? That's <laughs> yeah, the aspiration? Why? why? He's unlocked, he's, he's <laughs> found the, the key to happiness. Yeah. So this guy is a multimillionaire entrepreneur and CEO of VaynerMedia, some guy who started a a wine channel on YouTube when he was in college. Um, and now he's made millions. Good for him. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, if you're under 25, you think you have to make a million year, dollars a year to even be in the game. But I wish every 16-year-old on earth thought 70000 was what they wanted, not a million dollars. By the way, uh, that's $70,000 is more than what the average American makes. Yeah. Much more. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. The, he's saying that studies have shown 
that people feel happier the more money they make. Well, yeah, I've ne- I've never felt better when I was making less money. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, happiness <laughs> soared when I was struggling to yes. pay the bills. When I was broke. Yeah. Uh, when I was eating ramen. Yeah, and wondering, wondering and wh- what with it, where my next uh, yeah, if I was where gonna, my rent where rent is going to be paid. So it says people feel happier the more money they make, but only to a point of about $75,000 per person a year. Uh, you know, I've That's heard the, this kind of BS before, but it, like I heard it 10 years ago, I heard it 10 years ago when the, the number was 50,000. Yes. Now it's 25,000 more. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, your happiness doesn't soar. And I hate to, to say it and I'm not an extremely materialistic person, but yes, I would like more money. The more money I have, the happier I am generally because I can take care of my problems. Yeah. And if you have enough money, you can help other people as well. Yeah. Or at least not uh, drain, be a drain right. on other people. So the, right? yeah, you can pay your bills and you can yes. have the essentials that you need and you're not spending all of your brain power and energy and time trying to get money trying to get money and wonder and worrying and uh. yeah also it's like i i love to donate to charity that makes me happy mm-hmm. the more money i have the happy <laughs> yeah. the more i can donate the happier i will be so it's not always about like i like to do nice things for my friends yeah you know sometimes i like to do random stuff for people but most of that is dependent upon how much money i have Right. And how much time? Because as as Steve Forbes said, gold is time. Gold. Right. So <laughs> my favorite classic quote, Forbes. Gold. Yes, classic Forbes. Every every year at the uh, Libertarian Convention, he's a speaker. I've never been, but I would like to go just to walk up to him and be like, "Gold is time, huh?" <laughs> That's it. That's it. Gold is time. Gold is time. Oh, my God. But it, so. Studies show that people feel happier the more money they make, but only up to 75K a year. That's because money makes people happy to the point that it allows them to meet basic needs like food, a place to live, and health care. After that, correlation with happiness stops. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. He says, I have so many friends who make $53,000 a year, it's very specific, and genuinely enjoy their life. And then the serendipity of my life in the last 20 years, I have an uncomfortable amount of friends who make $12 million a year and are unhappy. I, I don't, this guy needs to go back to school. I'm not sure what this sentence, let me read this again. I have so many friends who make 53,000 a year and genuinely enjoy their life. And then the serendipity of my life the last 20 years, I have an uncomfortable amount of friends who make $12 million a year and, and are unhappy. I think we really need to redefine success. Who are you talking to? What is what is an uncomfortable amount of friends? I don't know. Is that like a a a murder of crows? And I I think he's confusing the people who make fifty three thousand dollars a year. Those are your employees. They're not your friends, right? And then rich people have trouble defining, you know, figuring out who's their friend and who is someone who works for or with them. And then also, are they saying, hey, maybe they're talking to a married couple and 53000 each makes them just able to pay their bills. But why should they be miserable? You know, they genuinely enjoy their life at $53,000 a year. It's not it doesn't have to be about the money. Yeah. It could be there could be other things going on. Right. Like I said, maybe they're they have a they love their family. 
or they've, they've made strides in their life in other areas, or maybe they just grew up dirt poor mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm happy to get $5 in here, you know, or they know other things that really matter. They have the yeah, right relationships. They're in good communities. They're, they have good friends. They have, they're good people probably. And then they keep doing good things. So they feel good about themselves and that makes they're them happy. They're also, yeah not done making money right yeah. <laughs> 53 like they're hope I'm, I'm hoping that over time that's going to increase it depends on where you where you meet someone in their career trajectory yeah um so he also points out that the entry level into the one percent uh, in order to be in the one percent you have to make four hundred thousand dollars a year okay actually it's four hundred seventy eight thousand dollars So he thinks that $70,000 is a good benchmark because it frames up a conversation for people who can't even imagine making millions. Mm -hmm. In other words, for someone at the start of their career, that number may seem more attainable. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. Great. Yep. I don't know. So that's what... Aspire to less, right? Yes. And aspire to less. I hear this from rich people. But it's the same thing I hear from people who have a PhD who are like, you don't need to go to college. I'm like, well, you went to college like three times. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you telling other people that they don't need to do what you've done? Yeah. And you're, you're happy with what you have done. I'm always, that makes me suspicious, you know? Because they now know the secret that if you keep. The, the secret the is secret... that they had just kept it small. Yeah. Yeah. So the more people that are doing that are working harder on less mm-hmm. bolsters them. Yeah. That's the secret. So yeah, you don't need, you don't need to live like a, in order to live like a millionaire. Really, I guess just start focusing on 70,000. <laughs> that's what this guy says here. It's, it's uh, from CNBC's make it Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, Young yeah. people should want to make 70,000, not millions. I don't really CNBC. I don't really, I'm not really a consumer of their news products, but whenever I see stuff, it's always about, um, you know, millionaire, this millionaire, that. Yeah. So who knows? Also, maybe this guy doesn't have, he's saying he's a millionaire. How would I know? Yeah. What does that we mean? We could say that too. Yeah. We could go on the, these podcasters have made millions. Sure. In the past 10 years, but they're telling you, you only need to make $25,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> So they were happier when they were broke. Yeah, because they were so happy. You could, yeah, they were tattered rags, but they yeah. had smiles on their on their faces, <laughs> right? And they danced and they, in yeah. the streets. <laughs> Nothing stopped them. No. Now look at them. Because it's inside that's what that's what matters. Yep. Not being able to pay your rent. All right, what do you have? Okay, I got some uh, barnyard news. Awesome. Barnyard news is when we report on animals in the barnyard, also animals outside of the barnyard. So basically any animals, past, present, or future. That's right. And these animals actually have the word barn in their name. So I can't think of anything oh, really? more appropriate for okay. this segment. Barn owls. Nice. I love an owl. Yes. They share their food with their younger siblings in exchange for grooming. This is funny because... <laughs> I just to myself was tickled for some reason because if um, you know siblings there's always some kind of competition going on with them and even in the animal kingdom and barn owls would be close to the top okay because it's because elder barn owlets will sometimes give away their (laughs) meals to their younger siblings and such cooperation cooperative behavior has been reported only in adult 
um, non uh, no only adult um, non-human primates, but birds, but rarely among young. So adults would do this kind of cooperation, but not the kids. You know, why do the owlets do it? So the owlet. So this is fascinating. Why do the owlets do this? Why do the older kids feed the younger kids? Um, and there, it's not found in any other species okay. that they know of, as we all know. Um, is it because they live in a barn? Is that what that? <laughs> is that what that means? Is they are not sure what prompted the food sharing. It shows that. Uh, so barn owls they raise six chicks at once on average, and sometimes as wow, many as nine. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, but not all hatch at the same time, which means the elder chicks are usually healthier and larger than their younger brothers and sisters. Okay, um, so they're not like fighting it out. Yeah, and that, because all the chicks are entirely dependent on the the parents for food, and food in this case is usually a small rodent like a vole or a shrew that can't be easily split. Yeah. So at any given visit, mom or dad can only feed one chick at a time. In so many bird species, the eldest sibling would simply outcompete the rest, but not. And sometimes they push them the smaller ones out of the nest. That's right, but not barn owls. And oh. so to understand the seeming generosity of the elder birds, they observed 27 broods of barn owls across Switzerland countryside. And um, they videotaped each brood for two consecutive days and nights to understand how the owlets interacted and attach tiny microphone backpacks to each chick to help oh my God. identify individual calls. That's hilarious. I'm sorry, but that's very cute and funny. And I wonder if the other was like, dude, what's that thing? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Probably has logo tape on it. It's really, really <laughs> fashionable. Um, the team found the older chicks uh, shared food with younger siblings that extensively groomed them. So it's like, huh. brush my hair and you will get a shrew, you know, okay. for dinner. So the younger owlets in general groomed elder siblings more often than the older ones groomed the youngers, the youngsters. Um, so it, that, that maximizes the, yeah, the probability of being fed. So everybody learns quickly that you got you to gotta pull your own weight, got to do something, you know, yeah. make your older sister look good. Give her some nice yeah. braids, you know, you yeah. know, comb her hair, get rid of the lice. Yeah. And then you'll get something. You'll get a meal. I like that cornrows are involved as well, apparently. <laughs> just some kind of owl, like salon situation. But it's like, that. make me beautiful. I'm getting older. I, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like I'm three days older than you, but still it's like that clock is ticking. You can see it on my face. Yeah. <laughs> so and also in some cases, the elder chick would also offer food to the neediest sibling um, irrespective of whether it was groomed or not. So there's like a good heart. There's the good okay. heart sibling. It's like he tried, his cornrows fell out immediately and they were <laughs> loose, but whatever. We'll give him some food. <laughs> food sharing occurred only when the researchers provided extra food to the outlets. It wasn't the case of older chicks risking their own survival to feed the youngest, but when there was enough oh. food to go around, the elder siblings chose to share instead of hoard. So not that's, much of a sacrifice though. But it's still like in... It's nice. It is. It is. It's like, you know, because it's that hoarder mentality, too, like that some people have. Like I have some people have so much and they can't part with like a like a crumb. Yeah. You know, um, those people are no friend of mine. Yeah. So among the barn owls, I mean, you have to survive. You can't give away everything. Yeah. But everyone's like, but they're more like they will protect the younger ones and some of them with nothing in return. Um, I would never have guessed that. I, I saw an interesting uh, short article last week. Apparently a barn owl had had enough, flew into the open window of a cop car, just started attacking a cop. Good. 
I mean, not good, not good. You know what I mean? I, I just say, I feel like I'm, I'm looking at through, looking at it through the lens of, of just like owls taking or animals taking back the the world. Yes. Like, cause humans have done so much, done them so dirty that, and I'm not talking about it's it's a a cop cop or it's just a a human. That's what I mean. But it was just, the whole thing was bizarre. Like I always think of owls as, you know, creatures of the night. They're in a barn. They're up in a tree somewhere. They are not out at like 2.30 in the afternoon on a shift change. Yeah. <laughs> flying into someone's car. Can you imagine? Yeah. That cop must have been terrified. I, it would have been terrifying. That was terrifying. Owls have gigantic... I mean, I grew up in a rural area. I've seen owls all my life. Have you ever checked out the feet? No, but I saw it's, pictures of the legs. They're really skinny. It's the. They have talons. It's not a joke. Okay, yeah. Those voles are running for their lives. You know, yeah. like they could, uh, an owl can mess you up. Yeah. And it's in a car. Like, and I've been, you know, and, and cop cars who in the front, like there's, um, there's a partition. Right. It can't even go in the back seat. <laughs> you can't even go in the back. It was just like, it just dived into some dude's car and just went and started going for it, I guess. Oh God. Oh yeah. my God. Well, this treat, one. Treat animals right, people. Treat that's animals right. right. But uh, just one more thing about this here. Um, with the food sharing behavior, it could have evolved because el- older siblings enjoyed both indirect and direct benefits. Um, the grooming. The hair, the hair grooming. Uh, yes. The, the being groomed offers immediate boons against protection from parasites like lice or fleas. And mm-hmm. then grooming can also reduce conflict and social stress among the outlets. And it also helps their genetically related kin survive. So more of their genes stay in the gene pool and benefiting themselves in the long run, evolutionary. And they look good while doing it. That's right. Fierce. That's kind of cool. Maybe that owl was like, I look fierce. I've just groomed and I'm going to take on the world. (laughs) She was groomed too well. (laughs) So Barnyard News. Barnyard News. I like it. You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Sotmari and Katie Kazmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. Here's some wine news. We haven't had a lot of wine news uh, in a while. So I did an experiment since I've been home. Um, I took 30 days off from drinking. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I know. I couldn't believe it either. And then when I went back to drinking, I thought, I mean, it was great. I thought it was going to be more exciting. Oh, so, you know, I guess I wasn't as hooked on it as I thought. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the first week it was like kind of difficult because I was used to having a glass of wine at dinner or like, you know, in the evenings and watching like a murder mystery or something. Um, so the reflex of it took some time to get rid of. But once I got like 10 days into it, completely forgot about it. Yeah. You know, and then going back to it, the, I mean, the biggest boon has been like, obviously, if you take 30 days off when you go back to it, you're not going to be able to hit it as hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I was like 21 again, or in my case, 16 again, or or 14 again. Let's be honest. 14 again. So some wine news. It said, um, wine drinkers are often aware of the markup on a glass, but apparently in Europe, the law enforcement 
successfully sniffed out a bad batch of bottles that were being passed off as premium labels and were being sold for a thousand dollars a pop <gasps> but the wine inside was just regular old wine two buck chuck they were <laughs> yes it was two buck chuck europol announced that it took down a network of wine counterfeiters uh... who took empty bottles of premium wines okay and refilled them with cheap wines of various origins. And sealed them up nice. Yes, and then sealed them up. They resealed it with fake capsules, uh, and they passed off the low-quality vino to resell at a higher price wow. point. At a thou- so 1,000 euros, which is like $1,100. Her bottle. Who, her bottle. Who figured this out? Was it so a wine connoisseur was like, this isn't right. This is not <laughs> my vintage that I, you I know, mean, whatever the vintage is. You know, they don't say name of vintage that Chateau Lafitte. <laughs> they didn't say exactly how they figured it out. But if there is a wine unit in Interpol, I am ready to become a European and join that unit. Yeah. <laughs> Sniffing out counterfeit wine, forced to try wines from all over the world to make sure they're legitimate. I'll take the case, mm-hmm. you know, um, of wine that is. So <laughs> they said the uh, empty, authentic bottles were gathered from restaurants. And delivered mainly by two people working in the food industry. So maybe they were keeping an eye on those people. Two people pulled this off. Um, The wines were sold all over Europe. In Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And and imported, or sorry, um, exported to the U.S. This was a major scam. Hey. Right? Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were being served at wine bars. And also they were sold to caterers. At a global level. Yeah. I bet you like a caterer may have picked up on this before anybody else. You think? Because if you think that you at a restaurant, you might let it go. Um, but as a caterer, if you're buying bottles of wine, they're about a thousand dollars and you're, t- you know, you have to taste them. Yeah. And you're your like guests this. will know too. Yeah. I, I, would, I, I, would, I honestly would probably never know. My palate yeah, is not. I wouldn't. I, you know. I also am not ordering a thousand dollar bottle of wine, so it's not going to happen to us. Yeah. <laughs> we this is something that we don't have to worry about. I walked into the liquor store, and I was like, "They're like, what are you looking for?" And I'm like, "I, I like Booze. I like wine that tastes like apples." And they're like, oh, "God, <laughs> great!" And I'm like, "Because that's you know that really is telling of my palate, which is not really." sophisticated you you like a crisp no you like a. I know what kind of wine you like I wouldn't say it's unsophisticated but it's a crisp yeah with apple a little bit of oak no I don't like I don't like an oak as much um but the thing is like the if you like apple and fruit it's a very young grape so it's not it's not like this this wine has been sitting there developing for a long time (laughs) and it's kind of like squeeze we don't need all of that (laughs) squeeze it's ready We'll take it right. You've just stomped on it. Put it right in my glass. Just nudge it over there with your foot. I'm fine. I found the funniest store. They're putting up signs to promote different wines. And they're saying Mm -hmm. things like, this is Marie Antoinette's favorite wine. (laughs) Yeah, I had Cleopatra's favorite wine a couple weeks ago somewhere. I was like, really? I'm like, is it really? And they're like, oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She said. She said, let them drink this wine. Yeah. In particular. Um, so, yeah, they some of the bottles they were selling, I mean, they got creative, right? It was whatever bottles were thrown out. That's what they used. Um, 
so sometimes they were just regular size. Some of them were magnums. Oh my god! I mean, just all they were just whatever bottle they had. They're like, this is a red wine. <laughs> just fill it with red. Rinse it out. Fill it up. <gasps> wow! And so it. gosh, so dumpster diving in the back of you know mm-hmm. restaurants and yeah places of business where and they- then resealing it. So that has to be done like in a, a factory setting. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, and then selling it. So they basically get a place that has that um, the ability to wash. The, I hope they're washing them. I'm sure they are because, you know, they're trying to pass these off as the real thing. Yeah. And then, so they have to have the ceiling. So it has to be some kind of uh, And they facility. export. They were exporting it to the U.S. So there's some kind of, uh, of winery around that is like, all right, this is going to be, the, we're going to do this. Yeah. So it didn't say there weren't a lot of, um, you know, specifics on exactly where it's coming from, but it's just basically they were refilling empty bottles of high quality wine with cheap, low quality wines. I wonder whose wines those were Yeah. as well. Like, I wonder if there's a company out there that's like, so what? We think our stuff is worth every bit as much. (laughs) And I wonder how many people are swigging this thousand dollars a bottle wine and saying it's amazing. And it's like, you know, Mark... (laughs) It's, it's like Ernest and Julio. Yeah. <laughs> you know? of, of the of the Gallo clan. Yes, of the Gallo family. Yeah, the Gallo, the Gallo family. premier wines. Something out of a Mylar bag. I hope that they were, I just imagine a gigantic cartoon funnel and jugs of wine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being poured, you know, like just one at a time, like shh capping it off. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's happening. People be careful. Look, the best way to avoid getting ripped off is just to do what we do, which is buy cheap wine. Yeah. And so, so you, you know, know what, what you're, you're getting. getting. You know what you're getting for yeah. sure. But not a bad business. A thousand dollars in take out the, the cost of the of the washing and the refoiling. Yeah. And so we, we could take a bottle of Josh. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend anyone do that. But you could take a bottle of Josh, empty it out and fill it with, you know, Take the sorry. Take a bottle of Josh and pour it into something else yeah. and recap it and pass it off. Maybe you should, could you do this at a party at your own party and be like, "I only have Chateau Lafitte. I'm sorry, everyone." So if you if you <laughs> sold seventy bottles, there's your seventy thousand dollars that'll make you happy. Yeah, and it only cost you maybe what twenty dollars? Yeah, to do or thirty dollars to do. It's not bad. Yeah, not a All bad right. business. Wine news. Okay, I got something here. This woman. In California, okay. she dreamed that she was eating her engagement ring and woke oh, up no. and found out she really did. Oh, no. I, <laughs> yeah. Eating or swallowed? I hope it was swallowed. She swallowed. Yeah, she had okay. She was had this dream. Her name is Jenna Evans. And she was. Uh, her dream was she was on a high-speed train that was racing down the tracks uh, okay. and with her fiancé by her side when some bad guys approached. And the only way to protect her... 2.4 carat diamond engagement ring was to swallow it. And that's what she did. Wow. She said, I popped that sucker off and put it in my mouth and swallowed it with a glass of water. And then she woke up and then she, re- <laughs> <laughs> and then she was, she woke up and she was like, Oh, that whole episode was just a vivid, bizarre dream. And it was very James Bond. She said, and then she realized her engagement ring was no longer on her finger. And she has a history of sleepwalking. So she soon realized that while the bad guys in the high speed train had been her dream, the consumption of her, (laughs) the consumption of her ring was not. Oh yeah. So she couldn't, she woke up in the morning, no ring on the finger. She said, Oh, 
I couldn't help but laugh at it. And I had to wake up my fiance and tell him that I, I swallowed my engagement ring. Um, Evan said she Google said face she said on Facebook she had Googled to see if adults often swallow rings, and it turns out children more commonly do. I've never swallowed a piece of jewelry. Me neither. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I have anything worth eating. They, she went to the urgent care clinic and the doctors decided against letting the ring pass naturally. Um, oh, because it's diamond? Yeah, instead of... Re- and, it cut her up. And instead referred her to a gastroenterologist. And they promptly Ooh. performed an upper endoscopy, um, uh, which is the insertion of a small camera and device down someone's throat. Um, <clears throat> she said... Where was it? She said... she. Began to cry as she signed the release forms for the for the endoscopy, fearing she would die during the procedure and not get to fulfill a different dream of marrying her fiance Bobby Howell. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. She says, "I waited a long time for that damn engagement ring, and I will marry Bobby Howell." Damn it. She wrote, <laughs> and I said that at just the way it was written. There what? Were I mean. There were Bobby Howell. Bobby Howell. All right, that was her dream. That was a dream to marry that Bobby Howell. Damn to marry it. Bobby Howell, and she's gonna do it as <laughs> if the ring would stop. Like, you know, without that ring, it wouldn't happen. I think the story would have been better. I mean, I know it's a, I know it's something that actually happened if it had been on the wedding day or the <laughs> day before. Right. Doctors found the engagement ring in her intestines, just beyond her stomach. Ooh. I would be terrified, though, because now I think that she's going to be eating other things by accident as well. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. That's terrible. I've never done sleepwalking. No. No. Evan said her fiancé returned the ring to her on Thursday. Bobby finally gave me my ring back this morning. I promise not to. Bobby Howell? Bobby Howell. I promise (laughs) not to swallow it again. We're still getting married, and all is right in the world. We're still getting? Of course you're still getting married, woman. Yeah. Why would that stop the wedding? Yeah. Bobby Howell's like, you know what? I was so into this. I've been looking forward to marrying you. But after this. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. That's how you feel about Bobby Howell. Bobby Howell's out. (laughs) Bobby Howell will take his ring. And go. And go somewhere else. And it's rude to say all is right in the world. It's 2020. Nothing's right. It's Nothing is right. And people are still with these big rings. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still a thing. None of my friends have diamond engagement rings no. that I know of. No. And Bobby Howell, I wonder if he's, if he's of the Howell on Gilligan's Island thing. Of the Gilligan's Howells? Yeah. Maybe that's why she needed to marry Bobby Howell. She didn't care. What's the name of that island? It's just Is Gilligan's, Gilligan's island? island. Yeah. Well, that's kind of presumptuous. All right. <laughs> I know, right? It's like I never thought of it that way. Right? There were it was there were other people on that island. There were a lot of other people on that island. At one point, I think the Harlem Globetrotters were on the island for like an episode. <laughs> but no, there were other. Remember, they didn't go to the other side because the, the the natives that lived there. No, that's right. But it's somebody natives. else's island, and their name was Gilligan's but, Island. No, but they couldn't have worked with them. No, in some way. Were they cannibals? No, they were. They were headhunters. That was the thing. Of course, so we yes. Couldn't, they couldn't go over there because they were headhunters. It was probably yeah. like they were really peaceful, and they're like, "Oh, put on the headhunter um, headdress to keep those people away from us." Exactly, because they know they've seen people like that before. Yeah, and they know what they can do. Yeah, 
I forgot there were other people on the yeah. island. That makes no sense at all. No sense. Yeah, but it's Gilligan's Island now. But the Howells. No, so, it's Gilligan's Island. So Bobby Howell and his wife. The then there's yeah with the diamond ring she eats. Yeah. I'm making oh. up a new Gilligan's Island theme about just about Bobby Howell and. Now that I'm thinking about that Jenna show, Evans. that was one of one of those shows <clears> I used to <throat> watch as a kid that I hated, but I watched it because it was like you know. It was always on. It was always on. What? Because everything looked fake? Well, I didn't like the... Okay. This is... Not, I was not a fun kid. I'm like, you're on an island. What's with the hair and makeup? <laughs> you know? <laughs> why Why is this guy still... Because I didn't realize that they, the Howells were... They were dressing like that because they were rich. I'm like, why is this guy just like a captain? He's not doing shit. <laughs> And then there's this other guy who somehow is still overweight. I thought they were stuck on this island. Yeah, what's he eating? What is he eating and how is he getting so much of it? <laughs> he was the headhunter. There's no tribe left. That's what happened to the other tribe. Yeah, yeah I just didn't. There was something about the show. Uh, also, I probably thought, I'm pretty sure I thought that they should have killed Gilligan pretty early. Yeah. Because he just kept, things were already bad enough, but he just kept screwing things up more. And I'm like, in a situ in a survival situation, you gotta club him. Yeah, because he's really just Yeah. Why would why he did... learned nothing. He learned nothing from his experiences on an island. He nothing. just sabotaged everything all the time. And mm -hmm. was like, oh it's... and for me as a kid, that kind of character, I think I couldn't have really I couldn't understand how someone could be given so many opportunities and not ever have to face the consequence you know, the negative consequences of their asinine actions. Well, a white guy. Yeah, now I get it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. But at the time, as as a little girl, a little black girl, I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't do shit. Yeah, it's always. Busy. I like I knocked over a glass of milk like two weeks ago. Still hearing about that milk. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like God, this guy in his red yeah. shirt. This guy, and people are listening to him when he talks. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he seemed like the kind of character who just really an open hand slap or like a shoe, like a slipper <laughs> to the face would have been appropriate. Right. Like the slipper that's um, on the bottom, it's rubber. Oh, yeah. Oof. On, on the top, it's like embroidered lightly. Yeah. Oh, that's what, it's getting one of those across the yeah. face. One of those. That, that lets you know where you stand. Anyway, so just... I hope that these, this Howell couple does well in life. Yeah. Good luck, Bobby Howell. Jenna Howell. Jenna Howell. So this was in the Brussels Times. Uh, penis news, oh, everybody. My gosh. We haven't done one in a while. Dick updates, scrotum stories. Uh, you know, it's still things are still happening. Penises are still in the news somehow on lockdown. This one caught the public attention uh, about a couple of weeks ago. Man caught smuggling cocaine and artificial dick. Caught what? at the Brussels airport. <laughs> <laughs> he had an artificial penis. And he hid cocaine in it and attempted to smuggle it. And if, if anyone's going to look in something when they go through your bags, sir, An it's going to be your, your fake penis. Oh, he had it in his bag. I'm guessing he had it in his bag. All right. Um, it, look, a British man who was caught at the airport while trying to smuggle cocaine by hiding an artificial penis has been sentenced the 38 months at the hospital, doctor, police officers established that the man had been equipped with an artificial penis. Oh, it might have been on him. Yeah, like they're like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> Pink <laughs> planet pulled it off. 
<laughs> and they found 127 grams of cocaine oh inside of it. Oh, I was hoping it was a, you know, a dildo or something. But yeah, I think you're right. This was his own. It was on his person. It was on his person and it was filled with cocaine. And they figured it out. Yep. Uh -huh. Um, his lawyer said, can you please suspend my client's sentence? He has health problems. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about not appreciating something. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've been, you've been given an opportunity here with this prosthetic to, to feel whole again. Yeah. Uh, you know, to represent yourself in a way that's probably more comfortable for you. And then you just use it to smuggle cocaine. Yeah. Well, Lessons. And you get caught. Lessons, you know, you have yeah. to learn the hard way sometimes. Yeah. So I wonder, uh, I wonder if this was the first time he did it or if this was like a regular thing and he was like, you know, sooner or later. And maybe he used different sizes and then he got just too greedy. Yeah, he got too greedy. They were like, sir, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to really get the, the, bring in a payload here. And <laughs> they're never going to know. And they're never going to know. Let's just get the big, the, you know, the XL version. Yeah, I can pull it off. Nobody's going to question like, it. You know, get two. Yeah. <laughs> Let them say something. <laughs> so yeah, he's got he's in prison now uh, for 27 grams of cocaine. I don't know how much cocaine that is. I guess it's a lot. Um, I guess people are still doing cocaine in 2020. It seems some, like something that's vintage to me. Yeah. <laughs> vintage coke you don't hear about it a lot you know classic coke yeah classic coke exactly all right what do you have uh what do i have here i have so many things um i have i have robot news awesome so we've been talking about the robot apocalypse or the ai apocalypse yes uh we welcome you robot overlords and we have this piece of news about you yes Enjoy. all right so um they've invented Flexible feet to help robots walk faster. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh, yes. <laughs> Flexible feet that uh, they walk. Now <laughs> robots can walk 40% faster on uneven terrain, such as pebbles and wood chips. Good. I'm glad. I'm tired of waiting for them. <laughs> with, the, the, with their their <laughs> their ginger footsteps. Yeah, with their flat feet. <laughs> right. So it has feet. applications for, yes, you guessed it, search and rescue missions as well as space exploration. Of course. How long before someone gets kicked in the ass with one of these feet? <laughs> well, get this. Well, I mean, God. Robots need to be able to walk fast and efficiently on natural, uneven terrain so they can go everywhere humans can go. No, they don't. But I'm going to be waiting with a stick to knock them right. You know, I'm going to stab them right in the foot. It's soft. <laughs> and so they developed this thing. There's, um, uh, usually robots are only able to control motion at specific joints. But mm -hmm. with this with this new foot... They can, the robot can control the stiffness, hence the shape of its feet performing and its feet outperforms traditional designs, which is, which is pretty amazing, you know, in, in a It way. is, but I feel like all of these things are the, the natural progression. And I still think they're making a mistake because I don't think that the human form is the best form for a robot. Yeah. All right. But get this. All right. So what is this foot made of? Are you wondering? Feet? I'm kind of scared to find the out. Feet are flexible sp spears made from latex membrane filled with coffee grounds. Ew. Yeah. So I'm gonna roast that foot first thing in the morning. <laughs> you know, bring that like a nice I, dark roast. I know. Br bring me your foot, robot. I need to in wake a, up. Yeah, in a in a caffeine emergency when camping. Yeah. 
So yeah. the feet allows robots to walk faster and grip better because it's the, the mechanism called granular jamming that allows that allows <laughs> granular media, in this case, coffee grounds, to go back and forth between behaving like a solid and behaving like a liquid. So when the feet mm-hmm. hit the ground, they firm up, conforming to the ground underneath, providing solid footing. And then they unjam and loosen up when the transition between steps. So it helps the, the structure supports um, the, fle- the flexible feet remaining stiff while they're jammed and then loosen up and they can, they can conform. Um, well, thank goodness we'll be dead by the time they've got all this done. Because I do not want to live in a world with coffee robots. <laughs> oh, God, they must be walking fast. Like, I got to get there. I got to get there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What's rescue? the rush? Like, how fast am I walking that they need to, like... They're caffeinated feet on a robot. <laughs> they're, they're walking too slow for what? Yeah. For whom? So they can walk on anything now. So this... Great. Yeah, so this they, they have like the feet are jammed, like the and this jamming is a good thing. And then they can they walk on water because I guess I need to be surrounded by that next. Yeah, right. and then there's a vacuum pump removing air between the coffee grounds and stiffening the foot. So it's like this whole thing. Um, so the weight of the robot pushes out the air and then causing them to stiffen and then release. You know, so the, it's like a whole thing that happens. But coffee mm-hmm. grounds. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> okay. Pass on that. I don't like it. They already have the soft hands for grabbing people. Yeah, but now they can walk on slippery rocks, squishy yeah. stuff. So now they can they can grab grab a butt, kick that same butt. Yeah, <laughs> with that foot. When they run up on you, that's what happens. They run up on you, grab ass, and then kick it. <laughs> that's where I see this going. Because again, you know, I don't trust the people who are making these things because they're people. And they're probably very awkward people. Yeah. And they have now, and they also, the next step is that they're going to put, um, they're going to incorporate soft sensors on the bottom of the feet mm-hmm. to allow electronic control board to identify what kind of ground the robot is about to step on and whether the feet need Ooh. to be jammed actively now, can or passively. I, can I throw down like those tacks that ninjas throw down? Yeah, right. <laughs> is that, do you have a sensor for that? You no. Know, right. You and know. what will that do? Will that like pop a foot? Hopefully, <laughs> you just hear a big pop and then you see that, oh, he's down. You know, it's yeah. It's a multi, because it, it's for humans too. Like the, if something happens to your feet, you're done. Oh yeah. So, so this is a weak spot for these things. Good. You know what? Give them softer feet. Make them real soft. <laughs> give them pedicures. Sure. You know, there are those pedicures with the, like their coffee pedicures where they use grounds to like scrub your feet and leg. I use coffee grounds regularly on, as, um, on my body. Oh. So instead of, um, especially now, because I've been trying to like be more eco about stuff mm-hmm. and not buy as much stuff, I use coffee grounds um, in the shower after I, you know, to exfoliate. Oh, nice. Oh, I never, I never really thought it about that. It feels good. Yeah, you can use them on your, on your face too. Like they're small, like, you know, small grounds. You can also combine it with if you have a cleanser that you like, mm-hmm. if you want a little exfoliation, just use that instead of throw, just throwing them out. And they're good for the drain too. Oh, oh, really? Oh, they are good for the drain. Okay. Yeah, they clean out your drain and they make your drain smell nice. Like coffee. I or love like coffee. a robot's foot in this case. Or that's going to be me. They're like, what happened to the robot's foot? They're like, look at my skin. <laughs> that's what happened. Like this coffee is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so weird. Yeah, I am very glad that because I think we're seeing the beginning of just some very dark times mm -hmm. because we know that humanity doesn't know how to restrain itself um, from using everything as an instrument of terror. Yeah. I don't think robots, I mean, look at what we do with people. Yeah. I think we'll use robots to do some of those same things, <sighs> um, which I think is kind of scary. I have no hope. No hope for humanity. Oh, we but gotta we have hope. Here. We have to have hope. We have to have something. I mean, you can, but I'm not gonna be here. So I know. <laughs> my, my hope is my hope Look, is gone. We 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 have to harness the power of Andrew Yang somehow. Yes, and the power of Yang. The power of Yang. You know, and you know, it's the opposite of the power of Gray Skull. Is the power of Yang? Yeah. Hopefully, we'll all get two thousand dollars a month. Right, for a year. at the very least. Yeah, and I, I got to work on being able to outrun these soft-footed robots. <laughs> Wait, can I get some new feet? Can you? Is that too? Can I get new feet as well? Is that too too much? Well, you. Oh, well, I don't. What's wrong with your feet? Your old feet. Nothing, but I'd like to be able to wear more ridiculous shoes. Oh yeah, and those are uncomfortable. Well, maybe. So let's work on that. Maybe this is a thing that is going to help people with prosthetics. I hope, and so although they got I'm afraid, a nice foot that will, that they won't. you know, yeah, better than the, well, I mean, they have really good prosthetics now, but they don't look very yeah. human. Yeah. So maybe this will be a way for it to go. Yeah. Who um, knows? Who knows? Yeah. A soft foot. Soft coffee foot. A soft coffee, a, a Java foot, <laughs> a medium roast foot. It's so weird. It's such a, it's a. I wonder how many other things they went through that were really expensive. And then some guy's like, hey, how about this espresso? Yeah, and they're like, ding, what? Yeah, who let him in? Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, everything came together. Yes. It was like, Eureka, we, we, this is the solution you've all been looking for. Why didn't we think of this? We've just been drinking coffee. I can't believe yeah. how much, like all this time, you've been exfoliating with coffee. I've been making coffee every day. And you've never used it to no. exfoliate? Oh, it's so good. So it actually stimulates the the skin, the caffeine, the feel of it. It's all natural. It feels great. Try it. How about you know, if it I don't have a coffee maker here now. Um if I but I have some coffee grounds. If I mixed it with water, would that work? Yeah, I, I just take it like I said, I just take it into the shower and I scrub with it and then I rinse it off. Okay. It's especially good too for feet. Oh yeah. Well, as we know. Yeah. As we know, <laughs> duh. I mean, come on. Science already figured that out yeah. 10 minutes ago, Jaquetta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coffee, the many uses. Good for robots, good for humans. Good for feet. Coffee. All right, cool. <laughs> That's so bizarre. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks.